everybody. Welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior, IgA nephropathy warrior, and focused on food, fitness, and sharing the individual stories of IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now let's get to it. Well, hi, everyone. My guest today is Camille Parker, who was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2012. She's here to share her journey with IBD, tips and tricks for managing flares, and how she balances life with Crohn's. Thank you so much for joining me today, Camille, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So let's go ahead and we'll jump right in. And why don't you go ahead and start us off by sharing your Crohn's story. Take us from your first symptoms, your diagnosis, and then through all the twists and turns along the way. Yes, quite the story, just like I'm sure most of ours are. Um, So in 2012, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. I was grateful to receive a diagnosis relatively quickly. I know a lot of people can take a while to find out what's actually going on. Um, So it really begins with me running cross country my junior year of high school. I was going to all the practices, doing what my teammates were doing. They were getting faster and somehow I was getting slower and slower. Um, I started out kind of at the beginning of a junior varsity race and then towards the end of the season, I was getting pretty much last place. Um, And I just couldn't figure out why I was so fatigued. Um, Then beyond that, of course, like running to the bathroom after races was tricky. And then my symptoms really just escalated from there. Um, I remember I was in a food class at high school um, and the teacher was crazy. She had us sign a disclosure saying that we would try everything there. Uh, So it was really a nightmare situation. And for some reason, um, I just intuitively could tell, like, I need to be really careful with what I'm eating. Um, so it was during that period of cross country and that difficult foods class that I had a colonoscopy, um, scheduled and that my symptoms became so severe, um, that they moved it up two weeks. And so I got that colonoscopy and the day after I got the diagnosis pretty quick for me. It was quick. What was that like to face a colonoscopy? I had my first colonoscopy when I was, I think probably 20 five, 26. So I was a little bit older, but it was still scary for me because it was something that I knew what was going to happen, but it was something I was not looking forward to. You being in high school, what was that like? And if there are other people listening who are in that same age bracket and facing the same thing, are there tips or any wisdom that you would share for someone about to go and have their first colonoscopy as a teenager? I think that is a great question because colonoscopies are scary because you don't know what it's going to be your first time. The prep is horrible and it was embarrassing as well. Um, It was difficult to miss high school. um, And so I remember being on the clear liquid diet at school and um, it was difficult to have my friends eating lunch and me kind of embarrassingly explaining why I was on a clear liquid diet. So that was definitely hard. Um, I do remember two of my best friends came by that night um, when I was doing my prep and they just unexpectedly showed up. And that made so much of a difference for me because just to be able to share that hard part of my life that I was going through with someone allowed me to be vulnerable and helped me feel not so alone. That's really nice. That is good. 
I like to take the opposite approach and seclude myself completely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was not expecting them to come by, but I don't think they were there during the intense parts. So hopefully not. <laughs> so take me through the rest of your story. You get your diagnosis pretty early on, which is wonderful because as you mentioned, so many people go for so long without knowing what's happening. Did they start you on medications right away? Did things get better or was it still a bit of a, a rocky road from there? Yeah. Um, so like I said, I was diagnosed in high school, so I didn't have too much opinions at the time of how to treat things. Um, and so they put me on a pill called 6-MP or mercaptopurine. And I would say it worked like well enough, but um, not great. So I took that um, and then all throughout college, I took it. Um, and I would say it kept me stable-ish. I definitely resumed a more normal way of living, but I still had a lot of like loose bowels and running to the bathroom and things just weren't normal. And I thought that was kind of just how it was going to be. So I definitely included food as part of my journey. We tried the specific carbohydrate diet. Um, and I remember there being so much anxiety around food during high school. Um, that was the hardest part of my diagnosis at the time because anytime there was a date that would come up or a dance or a social event with friends, um, I would often be in tears like before or after the event because I just wanted to be normal. Um, and then that continued throughout college where I was stable-ish. It was hard to be on a diet that takes so much preparation, especially when you're on a college budget and with limited time. Were you still following the specific carbohydrate diet at that time? I did. Um, as I gained more confidence, I would say I tried foods here and there, so I didn't religiously follow it. But I still made my own yogurt throughout college. I was gluten-free. Um, really quite strict. And then I fell in love with my college degree, which was exercise and wellness, which ultimately um, I took the career path to um, help people. But really, it's helped me, I think, more than it's allowed me to help others. So it gave me knowledge on nutrition and just gave me confidence to try new foods and expand my diet um, slowly and surely. Then I graduated college and I naively thought I could stop taking my medication because I was always afraid of the side effects. Um, I wasn't experiencing any, but you know, we all get the pamphlet of what could happen to us. And I thought the medicine wasn't doing that much for me. Turns out it was doing more than what I thought for me. Um, and at the same time of graduating is when I met my now husband. So going through our engagement and all that is when I experienced my worst flare thus far. I lost 30 pounds. Um, every part of my body became inflamed. My eyes, my legs um, developed bumps all over them called erythema nodosum. It was so painful. Um, all of that ultimately led me to choosing to start Humira. I was very afraid of that, but it's literally been a lifesaver for me. In addition to what I've learned from school, um, taking care of myself with a healthy lifestyle. Um, and I believe that healthy lifestyle plus medication gives me the best results. That's wonderful. What was it like? Because that was, I'd read one of your blog posts that you did about 
um, going through your biggest flare leading up to your wedding. And, and so there, it sounds like there was a lot of stress at that time. How was it explaining to your, you were dating at the time, now your husband, but how was it to broach the subject of IBD and have that conversation with him? Because that's something that I see a lot that people are afraid to talk about. They don't know how to bring up that subject with their person that they're dating, how soon to bring it up. What was it like for you? And can you share a little bit about your experience with that? Yes, absolutely. Um, that's how I knew he was the one for me because he handled it so great. I would say he kind of took a, a balanced approach. He wasn't diminishing the seriousness of it, but he didn't see it as a deal breaker or a total shock because we all have our battles. Um, so interestingly enough, for our first few dates, food never came up. So we went ice skating and then country dancing, hiking. So we were just out doing fun things. Um, and so I was able to just go experience that without talking about food. Um, was able to not have to go to the bathroom too much on the date. So I didn't bring it up until we um, had dinner together. I He loves curry. Um, and so I offered to make him curry. I, he came over for dinner. Um, and I was explaining why I cook so much food from scratch. He was really impressed by how much cooking I did as a college student. And so I was like, well, okay. I was like, I have Crohn's disease and just said it simple like that. Um, and he is going to become a doctor. We start medical school here in a few weeks. So he was interested in, you know, the medical side of things. And so he just pretended like he knew what it was. He's like, oh, okay. And then later that night, he told me he went home and started doing a bunch of Googling, um, which is what you want to be careful about, of course. But ultimately, he just has been very cool about it. And I'm grateful that he saw me at my sickest while we were dating and engaged because it gave me confidence to marry him. If we could get through that, we could get through anything. That's wonderful. He uh, isn't looking at going into gastroenterology, is he? <laughs> <laughs> he is not, but I <laughs> always bring it up. I'm like, in case you do, I I would love to, you know, have a few insights for you. <laughs> exactly. He can just share it with his colleagues when he gets there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe he'll change his mind. Maybe. So tell me, what does food look like for you now? You went through the whole specific carbohydrate diet. It sounds like you found a good balance bringing Humera into your life. So talk to me a little bit about what food looks like for you right now, because I know it's so different for every person with IBD. It always fascinates me, but tell me what are some of the things that you found that's, that's working and where your diet's at now? Yeah, great question. Um, so for me, I know everyone, what works for them, like you said, is not always what works for another person. Um, so I think that stress around food actually is worse for me than what I'm actually eating. So that's the main reason I stopped the specific carbohydrate diet was it was so stressful for me to maintain um, emotional and it wasn't providing as much um, relief as I was hoping based on the amount of work it was. So I pretty much eat normal now, um, just like normal. I mean, what my husband does with no restrictions. I'm so grateful to say that. However, some of the habits from what I've learned have stuck. Um, I prefer almond milk. Um, I prefer unsweetened, just, um, try to limit my sugars. Of course I can do some dairy and like yogurt and cheese. If we're out of almond milk, I will have some milk. 
Um, breads, the, just this year in January, I was brave enough. So I was gluten-free for almost 10 years. Um, so quite a long time. And just because I've heard it's inflammatory and I was most afraid to introduce that. But that one's been okay for me, reintroducing. Thankfully, um, I do have a sourdough start, which has been really fun to learn and implement. Um, I try to eat sprouted bread instead of regular. And then I try to eat at least five fruits and vegetables a day, um, protein, stay plenty hydrated, um, all principles that I think are good for everyone. Um, and then I try to avoid my trigger foods. So based on what my symptoms are, which I don't have too many now, but if I'm more on the diarrhea side, then I will eat more soluble fiber foods such as oatmeal, bananas, potatoes, more of the starches. And then if I'm on the opposite side, um, especially like when traveling, um, I will stay super hydrated. Um, thankfully, my body can tolerate salad now. Um, as long as it's not kale or like super, super fibrous, but just general salads I'm fine with now. Um, I do steam a lot of vegetables at dinner time. Always make sure to include that um, and try to do a lot of home cooking still myself. Um, so I definitely think about what I eat, but I would say it's pretty much back to normal with a newfound appreciation for nutrition and I enjoy healthy foods now. That's wonderful. And I love how you phrase that, the the newfound appreciation for nutrition. I love that. Yeah, thank you. I know it's a gift to be able to enjoy food and it's a gift to be able to eat healthy food also. It really is. Tell me about, you mentioned the anxiety around food and that really resonated with me because for so many years, I mean, I've had Crohn's coming up on probably 20 years now from when my symptoms first started. And I remember, and it's probably taken me the 20 years to not feel so anxious about food, but I remember early on that it was really stressful to go out with friends, to go on a date, to just anything that surrounded food. It really caused a lot of stress. So talk to me about some of the ways that you were able to navigate that. And I'm hoping it sounds like maybe you're at a good place where it doesn't cause so much anxiety. So how did, what helped you to kind of overcome that? Yeah, um, I would say that just taking the plunge and trying some food and realizing it's probably not going to be as bad as I think um, is almost like exposure therapy. So for so long, I, um, because we all want to heal ourselves, of course, so I kind of thought that Crohn's was my fault, or if I had just not eaten this, it wouldn't be my fault. Um, but taking some of the burden off myself and the responsibility and allowing me some room just to breathe um, helps. Um, that being said, it doesn't mean I don't try or think about what I eat, but I just don't worry about being perfect on my nutrition anymore. And that has been so freeing to me. Um, if you're going out to eat, like on a date or a restaurant you've never been before, it's always helpful to look at the menu ahead of time because I don't want to be the last person ordering and making all those substitutions and, you know, that that difficult person at the table ordering. Um, I just want to go in prepared and confident. And um, same with vacation. I try to always pack some healthy snacks um, to have in the car with me. Um, 
those are my main areas that I see anxiety around food and what I do to help that. Those are great tips. And it's funny because I've actually found myself doing the same thing where we're on the car going to dinner and I know, okay, we're going to this restaurant and I pull up the menu and I'm looking at what can I order? Okay. They serve chicken. I can at least get that. But it does help to know that you've got, that you've had that hour before dinner to prepare your order. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think more often than not, whoever you're going to dinner with is understanding if you want to request where you go. I think that makes a huge difference, just the people in your life. And even as you were mentioning, being willing to try different things when you go out is just having the right people in your life that you're surrounded with, knowing that if you do kind of step out a little bit and try something new and it doesn't go so well, that the people around you are going to be fine with it. And it's it's not the end of <laughs> it's not the end of the day. <laughs> Absolutely. I try to control my environment as much as I can at home so that when I do go out, um, it's like the 80-20 rule. If you've ever heard of that, 80% of the time I try to be on the plan, 20% you have some wiggle room. So talk to me about stress because stress is a huge, for many of us, it's a huge trigger for flare-ups. And you are a fairly new mom. You're starting a new business, which we're going to get to in a minute. And so you've got a lot of stress. How do you balance that? And what have you done to find ways to make stress not be, assuming that it does trigger you as well, but how do you help to balance that in your life? Oh, yes, I agree. Stress does trigger me. um, But it's been also a blessing because it's helped me um, learn how to manage something that's hard for so many of us to manage. Um, Crohn's has just been kind of that gentle nudge or sometimes a forceful nudge to go and figure things out. Um, For me, like I've been talking about, I have a great support system with my husband as well as family. Um, I'm not a person who can easily ask for help. I think so many of us are that way, but you have to ask for help, especially being a mom. Um, And on those days when I don't get a lot of sleep or if I have appointments, um, that's one hard thing is running around a lot for appointments and you don't really want to take a toddler to the office. Um, and just learning how to open up um, with those in my life to ask for some help um, because people want to help and they don't know how to help. Um, so you can just give them something specific to do. Um, other things, it's so important for me to take some time for myself every day. That's why I'm so passionate about exercise, which we'll talk about when we get to my business. Um, But that is some me time every day. So depending on what exercise looks like that day, I just communicate really well um, to say, okay, this is time that I need for myself each day. Um, And then the third thing would be therapy. So when I got married, I um, my anxiety kind of exploded. I think that going through life changes and all of that can bring out anxiety in us. And so finally, I, I felt brave enough to find a therapist, and I am so glad I did. I wish I had found one sooner. And I think there, there was no like a clinical study on this, of course, but the therapy has been as helpful for me as Humira has because um, – I'm totally a different person than what I used to be. And my symptoms haven't returned very much at all. Um, so that in conjunction with some anxiety medicine, I started postpartum have been great. 
That's wonderful to hear. And I think it's important to to just touch on that therapy aspect because it is so healing to be able to talk about the issues and have someone who's that third party to be that sounding board and to talk through the anxieties and the issues and the things that are surrounding that. So I really think that is a wonderful thing. And I've had, I think, one other person I interviewed that talked about that as well, and it's made a huge difference. Yes, absolutely. I think that GI doctors could recommend it more often. Yeah, I think you're right. That's Maybe we'll get there one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me about being a fairly new mom. What was it like, pregnancy was like, with balancing IBD? Yeah. Um, so I always knew I wanted to have a little girl. So I'm grateful she <laughs> was a girl. And I was married for a year and a half before I got pregnant. And in that year and a half is when my symptoms calmed down. I was on Humira long enough. Um, my anxiety was better. And so I got my biannual colonoscopy just to make sure I was in true remission. I thought I was. We wanted to make sure. Um, I had some blood tests to measure my inflammation. Um, given my history of how bad my flare was, I did not want to have one of those during pregnancy. So I made sure I was totally in remission before getting pregnant. Um, thankfully, my symptoms stayed pretty dormant. Um, I know for some women, pregnancy can make Crohn's worse. Um, some women can make better. For me, it stayed about the same. Um, my difficulty during pregnancy, however, was preeclampsia, which I think is unrelated to IBD. However, it's so easy to feel responsible or blame ourselves. Um, so my daughter is doing great and thriving now, but we did have a premature birth, um, and that was pretty scary with the preeclampsia. And did you stay on your medication throughout the whole time? Yes, I know some of the medicines more of the pills that people can take aren't always safe during pregnancy. Um, of course, there's a risk, and ideally, I wouldn't be on any medicine pregnant. Um, but I did take Humira the whole time. The plan was to stop about a month before she was born, just because some can pass through during the third trimester. And so I didn't want her immune compromised um, as a newborn. However, she was born um, totally unexpected five weeks early. And so I had just had an injection um, and she was fine. So I hope that's comforting for anyone to hear on this. Um, granted, it is my own experience, but um, I have been able to nurse um, while taking medication as well. Well, and I really appreciate you sharing that because I know just having read the blogs and posts and people's questions over the years that that's a huge decision to make is whether or not to stay on medication or to not stay on medication. And, and as you mentioned, it's very individual for every person, but it is nice and it is comforting to hear when you can hear it from somebody else who had that experience and what they did and how it went. So I greatly appreciate you being willing to share that with the listeners. You're welcome. So talk to me a little bit about fitness now. You've Exercise has always been a huge part of your life. If you were running cross country in high school, then it sounds like fitness has always been in you. So tell me a little bit about that passion, what fitness has looked like over the years as you battled IBD and kind of where you're at now. 
Yeah. Um, so I would say initially, I actually did not love fitness, but I ran cross country primarily because my mom did. And um, it was what I knew about. And I had some friends running it. And so I wanted to be part of a team. But because I was so fatigued and slow, it was not very fun for me. I think most people don't enjoy exercise when it's unpleasant. Um, and then college, I actually wanted to become a nurse, but realized that um, lifestyle would be really hard to manage with having Crohn's. Um, and so I found another health-related career, exercise and wellness, um, is what I studied at Brigham Young University. And there is when I really learned how powerful exercise can be. Um, there is chemical effects that it can um, actually help our mood through endorphins. Um, it can be relaxing for us. It can, when, so often to my clients, I say, when you exercise smartly, what I mean by that is not overdoing it um, and finding just the right balance for your body. It can actually lower your inflammation if done correctly. It can help your joint pain. Um, so many benefits. So once I expanded my view of it could be more than just running, um, I, I kind of started enjoying it. And then I got super sick, um, like that flare I mentioned, and I completely lost all of my fitness that I'd ever had. It was so humbling. I had to crawl to the bathroom at night um, because of those bumps I had on my leg. Um, I remember my mom trying to get me to walk to the mailbox um, or after I took a shower, I'd have to lay down. It was extremely humbling. Um, and I think it's when you lose it all is when you want to fight for it back. And so I have made the commitment to myself because uh, I'm sure there are other flares in my future, but I want to at least maintain some level of activity because it's so much easier to keep up somewhat than to completely stop and have to start again. Um, and it's been a form of medicine for me in therapy to get that daily movement in for myself. Do you have a favorite type of activity that you do now? Is there a favorite workout or activities that you enjoy that you find are very beneficial for your day to day? Yeah. So when I was pregnant, um, it was during quarantine. So I canceled my gym membership um, and had to get creative at home being pregnant in limited space. So I found someone on YouTube. Um, her YouTube name is Nourish Move Love. And she does cardio strength workouts for women. And so I've also started to write my own programs similar to that. So it's a combination of hit workout with um, some strength and it's very minimal equipment, dumbbells, um, or if you're a beginner, just body weight, you can do a lot with that. And it's very effective to do cardio and strength together. And it's fun and has a lot of variety. That's wonderful. I think fun is a key there. As you mentioned, the running was not fun when you were last yes. and fatigued. <laughs> so finding something to do now is, is great. How do you deal with the fatigue now? Is that something that still that you still struggle with, or has that pretty much um, subsided with through diet and medications? Yeah, I would say of all of my symptoms, that's probably the lingering one. But it's so hard to know what is causing it. I have a baby who sometimes wakes me up at night. I am starting a business. Um, we're about to move across country for medical school, so 
I think all adults experience some fatigue, um, but I try to make sure I get eight hours of sleep. Sometimes it's less, but eight is always the goal. And when I do need a nap on the weekends, um, again, asking for help. So I will um, pretty much be very protective of my Sunday naps. Um, I don't like to make plans in the afternoon. Um, but my fatigue is so much better. We actually just got back from Disneyland this week. Um, and two years ago when I went, I was taking naps on the benches and <laughs> I was ready to go home. And this time um, we stayed basically from open to close, which is from 8 a.m. till midnight. Um, and my family goes hard at Disneyland. So um, I think that my fatigue is doing so much better as well, which goes back to those healthy lifestyle habits. That's wonderful. And that's a big day at, at Disneyland. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And then throw on a toddler. It's, it's quite the ride. <laughs> that's a lot. So talk to me now. I want to hear about your business and how did your, it sounds like your background, your education, your passion for fitness and nutrition, and it all kind of came together. So tell me what you're doing now. And you just launched your website and your business. So I'm going to let you tell that story. Yes. So I actually will launch this afternoon. Um, and by launch, I mean um, share my website. People can now sign up for my services, um, read my blog. All of that is now available. Um, it really started back in 2012. Um, so many people were asking me about my disease and blogs were kind of the new thing back in the day. So I started a blog spot. It was called Blessing in the Curse was the phrase I came up with. Um, you've heard throughout this interview, I've been saying a lot of times, like, I'm so grateful, or it's been a blessing. And that's really been healing for me to have that perspective of gratitude, uh, because it helps me feel like I have some kind of control in the situation again. So my motto is, of course, like Crohn's is the curse, but I've been trying to identify blessings along the way. So that was um, a blog I had, I still have it. Um, but I haven't really known what to do with it. Um, it's just been kind of an outlet for me to share my thoughts and feelings and experiences. Um, and then with my degree, I've always been interested in health coaching. Before having my daughter, I've been a health coach at a clinic. Um, and I enjoy being home with her now. So I've been just thinking, how do I merge the two? Because just like this is your passion project, this is mine. I really feel strongly that there's so much others can do to live their healthiest lives with Crohn's and colitis and to feel empowered that they can do something to make the most of their situation. So I've started Be Well with IBD and it is a personal training and online service for women with Crohn's and colitis. I have group boot camps, so they're monthly um, group themes and challenges. I do individual coaching. And I also sell fitness for IBD virtual guides. And you moved, it looks like you actually moved some of your blog posts onto the new site. So there's some great resources for listeners to go and read those posts. There were a couple, I found the one that your tips for a colonoscopy prep, uh, you talked all about your pregnancy and being pregnant with IBD. So there's some, some really good reads on there too. Yes. Um, and all of that you can find, I did merge all of the blog posts over and it's bewellwithibd.com, correct? Correct. I'm going to put it in the show notes so that people will be able to find it easily. And I hope that you keep posting on the blog and keep sharing more stories. 
my goal is to start having a more frequent new blog posts come out um, now that my website's built. Um, now the focus is the blog. Good, good. So tell me what what's it been like to be an advocate for IBD now, and what was kind of the what prompted you to really start sharing your story and say, I need to be a voice out there and I want to help share? Yeah. Um, so I think ultimately I felt inspired to start my blog and I'm so grateful I did um, because even very early on, people who you never would have guessed had Crohn's um, would come to me and be like, oh, I also have either Crohn's or colitis. And it just helped me feel not so alone. But I always felt like I was helping them as well, um, just to share that positivity with them. And so that ultimately was my driving force was all those um, personal connections that I would meet with people. There was one time um, someone recognized my dad on an airplane and was like, oh, I read your daughter's blog, actually. Um, and so just to know that my story is reaching those who it's intended for keeps me going. What's been as you've had the conversations with people, as, as you've been more vocal about IBD and becoming an advocate, what is something that you've learned or realized through your experiences of being an advocate that you wish more people knew about IBD? That's a great question. I think that um, I would tell those who do have IBD two things. that One, it's not your fault. Um, you didn't do anything. You're not being punished. Um, and two is that there is always something you can do to improve your situation, which is why I've started my business. Um, for other people who don't have this disease would be just to realize that um, it is an invisible illness. Someone might look totally, quote, normal, but um, not to judge anyone too harshly or to expect too much out of them and to take people's word for things. If they say, they can't make it tonight, then there's probably a real reason. Or if they are tired and have to leave early, it's nothing personal. Um, they just are actually tired. So um, take people's word for when they describe their invisible illness. Very well said. I like that. So is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to share with the listeners today? Um, great question. I just love meeting so many people just like you do. So if anyone listening to this um, would like to connect with me, I would love to hear from you. And where are all the places that they can connect with you aside from your website, the bewellwithibd.com? Where else can people find you? Yes. Um, so I'm primarily on Instagram and I, my handle is bewellwithibd. And I'm also on Pinterest. So I will be posting workouts there, my guides, blog posts, all of that. Um, and I would love to hear from you. You can contact me through my website or Instagram. That's perfect. I'll put all the links in the show notes so people can easily find you. And this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you did with me today. It's been such a pleasure to visit with you. And so thank you again for sharing your IBD story. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member, that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at crohnsfitnessfood at gmail.com. And if you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at crohnsfitnessfood 
or visit my blog, Crohn'sFitnessFood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and keep going, my fellow warriors.